You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Great win for the Bruins tonight out in Dallas, 3-2 in overtime. Um, you know, there was definitely some things that weren't so great in this game. Namely, the the power play continues to struggle, and some other things we'll get to. But by and large, on the other side of the special teams was the penalty kill. The penalty kill was huge for Boston tonight, especially in overtime. And they were able to find a win and against the top team in the West in Dallas. Obviously, the Bruins are the top team in the East and in the NHL. So I just think they've been struggling of late to, to find wins sandwiched around the, the midseason break. And I think this was a great one for the Bruins to catapult them forward, hopefully. Yeah, like a real character win. Um, you know, they I thought, thought they had a great first period. They outshoot Dallas 15 to 6, were really on the front foot, and yet they get to the intermission 1 1. Uh, you know, second period doesn't go as well. They're down 2 1 going to the third. Uh and just keep battling and you know. Big goal from Pavel Zaka to tie it. Another great shot that we've, you know, we've seen a few of those from him now. And then Zaka makes another great play in overtime uh, to win it, starting the breakout, um, getting it over to McAvoy. And then McAvoy sets up Pasternak for the one-time finish. And, you know, you mentioned the penalty kill right before that. A couple saves from Ulmark. Carlo and Forbert were out for the entire four-on-three kill. Um, Forbert had a big block. So, yeah, just a all-around big night. Uh, you know, Z- like I said, Zaka stepping up when you needed it continues. A great season for him. He now has his career high in points um, already. So, obviously, just, you know, a great find for the Bruins to get him and extend him. And he just keeps contributing, keeps coming up and coming through in big moments. Yeah, Zaka also was the only person who almost scored on the power play too. Like there were a lot of times where the Bruins power play didn't look good. And then I think it was in the first period on the Bruins first power play, Zaka rang the pipe and it was like, okay, that was the closest they came to having anything go in on the power play. Cause um, the second and third period, the power play just did not look uh, like it was clicking at all. But to the point about, you know, the Zaka extension, <laughs> this is one thing that annoys me. And you guys know that, um, Sometimes I listen to like both stations and I hear people talking about the Bruins and I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Ah, And I hear the, I hear people talking about, oh, you know, this is a horrible move. Should not have extended Pavel Zaka, paid too much for him, whatever. And this is one of those things where I'm like, you guys have like, it's your opinion, whatever. But that is just like based on nothing at all. Like you clearly don't watch him play. You haven't watched how he's played since he got extended or before he got extended. Um, and really he just proves his value 
uh, more and more ever since he got extended, just proving that it was the right move. So that's one of those things about like, I'm glad. I hope people listen to what we say <laughs> um, because we're not just like saying stuff to like get you angry. <laughs> like um, that's what bothers me about talk radio sometimes, but uh, just inflammatory stuff. But like the Pavel Zaka thing, no, he's, he's good. It's a great move to extend him. He can play center. He can play on whatever line he can play the wing, whatever. Um, and he had another great game. That's my rant. I, I definitely agree with everything you said, Bridget. I, I will say, I feel like Zaka uh, going forward, like not necessarily this year, but you know, probably next year and the year after and the, the, the other, the rest of his extension in Boston, he's going to have to get a little bit better in the faceoff circle. If they want to rely on him as an actual centerman, I feel like he's kind of, and maybe his, I'm not looking at his face up percentage, but it, I just feel like it's not been that great when he has taken draws this year. So he'd have to improve on that. But between the whistles, like besides that, like he's been such a pleasant surprise, I guess, for the Bruins. Like I think, I mean, he's surpassed his career total in points already, you know, and it's uh, what, like 50 games into the year, or 52, three, something like that. So um, yeah, awesome player for them. Ties the game, like, like Scott mentioned. And um Helps lead to the overtime winner for Pasternak. Um, but jumping back a couple of periods, another player who kind of got off the schneid for Boston was Taylor Hall. Um, it was a great individual effort by Taylor Hall in the neutral zone to, you know, regroup. Um, and then he found Krejci with a with a nice pass through traffic, and then Krejci gives it to Lindholm. Nice saucer pass into the zone. Lindholm draws two guys and then leaves Hall all alone in front. He's able to finally uh, find a twine there. So um, how did you guys feel like he played um, goal included and then obviously outside of the goal tonight? Yeah, really well. I thought he was noticeable uh, throughout the game and obviously that that goal as, as the highlight. Um, but I thought he was good when he was up with uh, Krejci and Zaka to start the game. I thought he was good when he ended up back with Coyle and Frederick later in the game, uh, you know, more line juggling from Montgomery. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a good game for Taylor Hall and one that he needed because, you know, we've talked about how points haven't really been there. Um, you know, slight uptick over the last few games, but definitely like this is the way you need to see him play more consistently. Um, you know, I thought, he didn't really make the most of an opportunity to kind of move back up in the lineup with DeBrusque out, you know, didn't like, we, we kind of felt like, you know, that was the luxury of being able to have Taylor Hall on the third line is like, well, he's obviously a top six forward. You know, if a top six forward goes down, you just move him right up and didn't really quite work that way. And Montgomery ended up having to make a lot more changes and, move some different guys into top six roles. And it, it does seem like Hall is probably at his most comfortable in that third line role right now. And, you know, ideally like he would be able to move back up and just pick right up and contribute as a top six caliber forward. But if it takes, you know, having him on the third line to kind of get him going again or whatever, then, and so be it. But, you know, a play like the one that he made, I mean, that came during a shift with Krejci, obviously, as you mentioned. Um, you know, that's who he passes over to at the line and then keeps going to get to the net front. And it's like he can make plays like that no matter who he's playing with or should be able to. So, um, 
yeah, good game overall for him. And obviously that goal stands out as the highlight. Yeah, he went to the net and Lindholm made a really good play to draw the defender, go back behind and then and drop it out to him out in front, like right, right in the crease. And he, and he did what he needed to do with the puck. He lifted it, um, got it over. I, I thought that the, the line shuffling today was something that was noticeable throughout the game. Um, well, it's actually kind of what sparked that, that second goal to tie it. Um, when you when you look back, it was a shift Pasternak with the fourth line because you're, you're like, okay, well they're double shifting him here. He comes in Greer spot on a shift. Next thing you know, first line's out there with Greer, <laughs> and then Pasternak's back out there with a check line, and that's the line that ends up scoring the game tying goal. And you but you felt the momentum starting when Poster was on with the fourth line, like the two shifts before, you could see things kind of ramping up and they were coming and they were attacking, and then all of a sudden the check line's able to put it in. So the, the like little tweaks in the line changing to try to just get that spark when they weren't, wait, they didn't really have it at all in the second period, parts of the third, like early in the third, they were having struggles too. So um, that the way that he switched the lines kind of sparked uh, that, that game tying goal. That's a great observation, Bridget. I, I was actually saying that to Scott um, before, before you were on, we were recording. I said the same thing. It's like uh, that shift with, AJ Greer with Bergeron and Marchand, which I love how you call that the top line, and 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 I do as well, and I think Scott would as well. But Bergeron and Marchand, they have I was again we we're talking about this before. They have five points combined dating back to November, um, yeah, November, January twenty uh, second against San Jose. Um, five points combined in their last sixteen combined games. So, um. You know, I I, I kind of felt like that line shuffling in the, in the third was more so to kind of see if you can get those two guys going. Like, because they just, they're snake bitten. And I don't know what you guys feel about that. Like, look, obviously, what th- there's this is not a problem I'm trying to find a solution to. Like, there's no solution to Bergeron and Martian. Like, they're, they're, they're elite players. Like, it's, it's, I'm, it's not a concern of mine. It's just a, it's just a midseason observation that that objectively they are struggling to score points right now. Yeah, and zero points between them over the last five games. I think it's now six games without a point for Bergeron. Um, DeBrusque should be back on Thursday. That's what all indications are. That will help for sure. I do think they've missed him. You know, they, they both put up some points like right after he went out that West Coast trip, but that was against a lesser competition. This stretch now of facing top teams before the all-star break and now coming out of the break with Washington and Dallas. Um, yeah, they've, they've struggled a little bit. The offense hasn't been there like at all. So uh, DeBrusque doesn't single-handedly fix that. Like that. Do you think you need more from Bergeron and Marchand? And to your point, it's like, it's really hard to worry about those guys to any extent, um, but it's not, it's, not, it's also not the first time we've seen the five and five production not be there for them this season. And, you know, early in the year, we chalked it up to, well, Martian's just coming back and it's going to take him a while to get going, um, which was fair. And I think absolutely, you know, part of the reason for it. But it's like, okay, well, now you're into the swing of it. Now you're through All Star break. Like, I, I don't really think we feel like Martian is still not himself or is still building back up or anything like that. So now you kind of look at and you're like, okay, this is just 
a legitimate slump and it can happen. It's not worth panicking over, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it has stretched on a little bit longer than, than you would like. And we'll see if DeBrusque returning can spark them. Uh, it, it was a little odd that, you know, putting Pasenak there really didn't spark them. Like I thought that line was, I tweeted it out after the first period the Bruins were actually getting out attempted nine to three when that line was on the ice. And it was like 18 to seven with any other lot in favor of the Bruins uh, with any other line on the ice. Yeah. I, I don't know if it, it too goes back to like Bergeron's usually very effective at the dot, but hasn't been recently. And I'm just looking at the, the Dallas stats um, and he was only 30%. I mean, he lost 21 face-offs in one nine. That is very un-Bergeron-like. Uh, and the team as a whole, usually a, above, you know, 500 at, at the dot, uh, you know, above 50% most nights, they're at 19% in the Dallas game. Uh, Pavelski was killing them. Uh, and usually, I mean, that's uncharacteristic. Most of the Bruins centers are very good. Krejci, Ber- uh, Bergeron are guys that are usually very reliable. Um, but they, they just weren't, uh, crazy didn't take too many face-offs, but he was still only 11%. Like it, it was, it's crazy to look at the numbers. It just doesn't look like what they usually look like. When we discuss players that are struggling to score, one thing that Scott often leans to is if they're at least getting their chances, right? Do you feel like they're at least getting their chances? I know later in this game, uh, Lindholm found Marshan right in front of the net and it just kind of squeaked off his stick and it could have been the eventual game-winning goal. Um, but I guess I'll, I, so I guess I'll throw it back to you guys. Do you at least feel like they're getting chances? No, n- not really, especially not tonight. Um, Bergeron and Marshan each only had one shot on goal. Looking at shot attempts, Bergeron had one shot attempt at five on five. Marshan had two, so... No, they're, they're not even, at least tonight, I, you know, I have to go back through recent games, but I feel like there's probably been a few games like this where even just the shot attempts and shots on goal have been low. That They're they're playing low event hockey. Like, they're not giving up much either, which is, you know, that's what you expect from those guys. Like, they're not going to get pinned in their own zone, chasing play, having a million shots against them. Um, but... Yeah, right now there's just not a whole lot happening when they're on the ice either way. Um, So, you know, you need to see them uh, start to generate more offense. And, you know, maybe it has to be kind of more ugly shots. Maybe just throw it on net and and start to, you know, feel the puck hitting the goalie, get some rebounds or something. Like, really, really dumb it down. Really make it simple because what they're doing right now isn't really working. No, no, it's not. And I did think that, you know, having Pasenak on that line was going to help them. Well, Pasta had eight shots, but then, like you mentioned, the stats for the other two, uh, only one and two shots. Derek Forbert had more shots than both Marshawn and Bergeron. So um, he had the same amount as them combined. So uh, you don't want that. You don't want Derek Forbert to have more shots than Marshawn in a game. Uh, not saying you don't want him to shoot, but you, you just want to see them with higher uh, number of opportunities. And I know Scott usually has his advanced stats up in front of him with his high danger chances and, and whatnot, but um, no, I didn't think they did look all that effective offensively. 